Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Wednesday, February 5th, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. Locked on Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And we have a lot to discuss after the Blackhawks 3-2 overtime loss in Minnesota. Before we get to that, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. 708-653-0572 is the voicemail number. Email LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks and my personal account at jzawoski 670 There you can also check out the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod. New episode of that came out on Tuesday, so make sure you check that out if you have not yet. Lots of good stuff in there. Still stands up, and we will have another one of those for you later in the week. But here it is. The Hawks with a tremendous opportunity to get some ground between them and the Minnesota Wild, and they battle back, and they get a point in a game where it didn't seem very likely that they would. And look, the game started very poorly. It took the Blackhawks 12 minutes to get a shot on goal. That's obviously not ideal. They were very, very... And I want to give credit, before I'm too critical of the Hawks, I want to give a lot of credit to the Minnesota Wild, who did a fantastic job of locking down the Blackhawks' best players, specifically Patrick Kane, who was frustrated and quiet most of the night, couldn't get anything done. The Wild were forechecking like crazy. They kept the Hawks on the perimeter when they were in the offensive zone. The Hawks were sort of just forced to cycle, 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 could not get anything in close to the net. And then when they did, they had grown so frustrated over the course of the game that they would try to make that extra pass because they thought they had to make a perfect empty net shot on goal. There were several opportunities where the Hawks could have shot the puck and did not. Brandon Saad, uh, probably the most blatant example, where he had a gaping net and tried to get it back to Jonathan Taves and it just didn't work out. Uh, and look, the two goals the Blackhawks scored, Adam Boquist and Olimata, just flip the puck at the net. Sometimes that's what it takes to get the puck in the net. When things aren't going your way, when the other team's being a pain in the ass, as the Minnesota Wild certainly were, flip the puck towards the net. Maybe it'll hit somebody. Maybe it'll knuckle. Maybe it'll dip and dive. That's what happened on both Blackhawks' goals last night. And it just... It's frustrating. You know, it's just it's kind of one of those frustrating games where you felt like, man, they had an opportunity here. And look, it could be a hell of a lot worse. It certainly could. The Hawks started the day three points out of a wild card spot. They're only two points out of a wild card spot right now. So they actually gained ground. Yes, Nashville jumped over them because Nashville's played one fewer games than the Hawks. They both have 57 points, so Nashville gets a tiebreaker. Arizona with 59 points, Calgary with 60. By the way, Arizona's playing now, and they're winning, so by the time you hear this, it may be different. The Hawks, Predators, and Jets all have 57. Now Minnesota has 54, so the Hawks are still right there. They play Boston tonight, which is why that second point last night felt so big, and they mentioned it in overtime. You've got nine Stanley Cup rings on the ice. Actually, you had 11 when you count Corey Crawford. Keith, Kane, Taves, Crawford, 11 Stanley Cup rings out there. And Sa was out there for a bit too. And the Hawks could not get the puck away 
for the Minnesota Wild. It was just one of those frustrating games. And I think Minnesota, to their credit, played a really boring but committed game. And that's hard to do at home. We've seen it. As Blackhawks fans, we've seen it where the team feels this sort of outward pressure to put on a show for the home fans. The Wild were not concerned with that at all and just did a really great job of shutting down and frustrating the Blackhawks. The Hawks were able to storm back, tie the game, get to overtime, and, you know, Corey Crawford was terrific in overtime. The game-winning goal just sort of ricocheted up in the air and fell behind him. But, look, there are two points out of a playoff spot. I'm not going to flip the table over after this game. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it feels like a point got away. Yes, it feels like had they started the game a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, maybe the result would be different. But there's a lot of good things that happened in this game as well. We'll obviously get to that in the pluses and minuses. Uh, But look, this is how we've talked about it for weeks. This is how this month is going to go leading up to the trade deadline where every game feels like a playoff game. And I just mentioned how the Hawks are tied with Winnipeg in points. They play Boston Wednesday. Then Hawks play the Winnipeg Jets the next two Sundays in Winnipeg. So they're going to have their opportunities to gain some ground there, to get some separation there. But these points are so critical, and I want to give the Hawks credit for getting one. After a poor start, they came back and got a point from some unlikely goal scorers. Adam Boquist picks up his third goal of the season. Olimata picks up his fourth. Kirby Doc extends his point streak to four games with an assist. He completed the move. He did it. The move actually worked, but he couldn't score. Couldn't get the backhand around quick enough to put it behind Alex Stalock, who was also really good for Minnesota. But, yeah, you saw it. Kirby Doc, the Kirby Doc move worked, and you saw how frustrated he was where he was finally able to pull it off in a game and just could not tuck the puck behind Stalock. But, man, that's an impressive move. Someday that's going to go in, and it will be a goal you see for the rest of history, almost like that first Jonathan Taves goal, not the first goal, but the goal he scored against Colorado his rookie season that we still see years and years later. If Doc can ever make that move complete, uh, it's going to be a highlight reel goal for a long, long time. By the way, um, Hockey Wilderness is a Minnesota Wild blog that I follow on Twitter. They put out a video of that move with no snark at all. They're like, wow, that was amazing. (laughs) <laughs> when the opponent's uh, blog is doing that, you know you did something cool. So, uh, look, it's not all bad, and it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Uh, glad to see the Hawks battle back. As the game was getting late, one thing that stood out to me was how calm the Hawks were, and I was sitting there watching the game with my wife, and I'm like, guys, what, urgency. Come on. Like, let's let's try to make something happen. Let's Let's try to generate a little bit of pressure. Let's pick up the speed a little bit. They didn't do it, but it worked. Maybe, just maybe, not listening to me and sticking with what they were doing, sticking with the system, sticking with with what they practice is what made the difference and and created that game-tying goal. We'll never know, but uh, I think they did a good job battling back in a game that wasn't perfect. But look, after getting outshot 12-4 in the first period, the game ended with shots 34-29. By the way... 
Minnesota had five shots on goal in overtime. The Hawks had none. So going into overtime, it was dead even, 29 shots apiece. So you saw the Hawks really, really come back and battle back, and it's good to see. Not every game is going to be perfect. Not every game is going to be pretty, but the Hawks were able to get a point out of a game they probably didn't deserve to get a point out of. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. Those are the three numbers to keep in mind. 10, 15, and 75. Enjoy live music from local and national artists. Explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from around the world. Arizona is known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. Hiking, biking, jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, or just taking in a sunset. No matter what you love to do, Arizona has you covered. Family-friendly resorts and hotels offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback rides to games and activities. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to go over the pluses and minuses of the Blackhawks' 3-2 overtime loss to the Minnesota Wild. Let's start with the pluses. First plus of the game, to me, it goes to Corey Crawford. He stopped 31 of 34 shots on goal, many of them very difficult saves. Really impressed with another solid Corey Crawford performance. Robin Leonard will get the start in goal for the Blackhawks tonight against the Boston Bruins. So interesting to see the Hawks go Crawford back-to-back to start the uh, post-bi-week road trip. But they pick up three or four points. I think if I said to you, you know, last Friday, looking ahead to Arizona and Minnesota, would you be happy with three points? You'd probably say yes. So it worked out. Crawford was terrific as he's been most of the season, and especially lately, that's only, uh, what, is that 13 goals against in his last 12 games? Something like that. He's been really, really, really solid. Uh, So Corey Crawford is my first plus of the game. want to give another plus to Kirby Doc, who I think, again, is starting to really come around, come into his form, 17.30 of ice time, one assist, a plus one, again, extending that point streak to four games. He was a, uh, a big factor. In this game, uh, you saw him involved a lot. He was around the puck a lot. And that doesn't sound like much, right? When you just sort of say, like, eh, what does that mean, around the puck? It means he's getting himself to the areas where the action is happening, and he's creating some of the action himself. I really like the way his game's been going lately, and I, I feel like that breakout's here. And look, yeah, <laughs> he's got a, he's got a four-game point streak, which is great. But I want to see him put the puck in the back of the net and I feel like if he can keep this play going and starts getting rewarded for what he's done, for his hard work and for his improvement, that the sky's the limit. I think he's going to be really good. Another plus for me, Eric Gustafson had a really solid game defensively last night. Picked up an assist, which is great. 1956 of ice time for Gustafson. But I saw him make a number of heady defensive plays, not just smart plays, but taking the body, denying a puck, denying a stick, 
Lots of good stuff from Eric Gustafson today. The broadcast pointed it out, and uh, it, he deserves it. I think he played a very, very solid game for a guy who never gets any credit for his defense, and he probably shouldn't, quite frankly, because um, <laughs> he's not a great defender by any means. Uh, I thought he had a really solid game defensively. So when those things happen, I think we deserve to point them out. He was very solid in the game for sure. And Duncan Keith, one assist, 25-22 of ice time for Duncan Keith. <laughs> it's 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 amazing. It really is amazing uh, how much he can do at this age, at the level he does it. Yep, he's not the guy he was when he was winning Norris trophies and Stanley Cups, but at what, 36 years old? To be able to log 25 minutes, 26 minutes, it was 27 minutes on the dot against Arizona on Saturday. To do that frequently and not really show any ill effects of it at all, really, really incredible performance uh, all season long for Duncan Keith, who looked like he was on a steady decline. It looks like to me he sort of held off that decline a little bit, and I think he's actually kind of been better this year than last, so that's encouraging. All right, now let's get to the minuses. First minus for me, and I, I hate to do this because he's been the team's MVP, aside from maybe Robin Leonard, and you can make the argument for either guy, but not in love with Patrick Kane's game last night. Not overly engaged. Yes, he was frustrated by the Wild checking him, and you've seen that in his career from time to time, where if the game's not going Patrick Kane's way, he will get frustrated. He will start to lose focus a little bit. But even early on, I didn't see the fight in his game. There were a lot of defensive plays he opted to not participate in. You saw him sort of like slumping back to the bench every now and again. Kane will have one of these games, you know, every, you know, 10, 15 games or so. And look, he's a player on this team, so he's allowed to be criticized. Uh, not in love with the effort from Patrick Kane. Still, three shots on goal, two more shot attempts uh, for Kane. And look, anytime he's on the ice, he's a threat to score. But the Wild did a tremendous job of limiting his opportunities, um, but I would still like to see a little more compete from him. We just praised him on Saturday for how hard he was working at both ends of the ice. That was not the case last night against Minnesota, but it's a blip on the radar, nothing I'm overly concerned about, so not a big deal there. Second minus to me, and I hope I don't, you know, sometimes when people point out things, they can linger in your brain forever, and I don't want you guys to be mad at me, but Chris Cuthbert, the announcer, on NBC Sportsnet, he talks like the Target lady. You know, Kristen Wiig on SNL, like, oh, Target. Wow, where'd you get that? He called him Carpenter, Patrick Sharp. What is with that accent? I've never heard that before. I, if that's a regional accent, tell me what that is. It was driving me crazy. Ryan Carpenter. It's Carpenter. C-A-R-P. Carp, not Carp. It's not K-A-E-R-P. Did anyone else notice that? If not, I hope it didn't ruin him forever for you. It was just driving me crazy. Carpenter. Patrick Sharp. Ugh. Stop. Just stop. Yeah, I have the thickest Chicago accent ever, so I can't really talk. But uh, it was just, it was annoying me. Maybe it was just an annoying game. <laughs> Letting this get to me a little too much. But that's my other minus of the game. And uh, Rain Carpenter. Get it a target. Ugh. If you've been a listener of the, if you're been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know 
that Lockdown Blackhawks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hawks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Lockdown gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hawks fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Podcasts. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, the keyword advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. It is Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And as we do after every Blackhawks game, we go down the number line, taking a look at some of the advanced statistics in the game. First of all, shots on goal, like I said earlier, 34-29 in favor of Minnesota, which actually isn't that bad when you consider they outshot the Hawks 12-4 in the first period. Second period, 10 even. Third period, the Hawks had 15, the Jets had 7 so ending regulation, they were tied to 29 shots on goal each. The Wild had five shots on goal. During overtime, the Hawks had none. That gives them the 34-29 shot advantage. Some of the metrics. Now, if you thought about this game early, you'd think, ugh, this is going to be real ugly. And the first period, you were right. 25 shot attempts to nine in favor of the Wild. That's a 73.5 Corsi 4 advantage. In the period there, they had six high-danger chances, four and two against. That's the Wild, of course. But as the game went on, the Hawks closed the gap. 13 shot attempts to 10 in favor of Minnesota in the second. And then the Hawks with 26 attempts to 11 in the third period for a 70.3% Corsi 4 percentage. So for the game, Minnesota with 52, the Blackhawks with 48. So not too shabby. The Hawks were definitely able to close the gap. Yep, score effects definitely played a role in that as the Hawks were trying to get back in the game. But they did it. They did get back in the game. They forced overtime and just fell short there. One, two, three, six Blackhawks over 50% in possession. Zach Smith, number one, at 69%. Alex Nylander, 67%. Eric Gustafson, 65%. Really strong games from those three in their limited time. Nylander especially only played 836 at even strength. Smith, 1048. Gustafson, 1649 at even strength, which is pretty solid. Connor Murphy with a 59% Corsi 4 percentage. David Camp, 52. Ryan Carpenter, 50. The rest of the Blackhawks were under 50%. Bringing up the rear, as he's done recently. Well, first, actually, Oli Mata, who scored the game-tying goal, was a 38.71 Corsi rating. Adam Boquist, who scored the Hawks' first goal, 39.29 rating. Duncan Keith had a, a better game than Boquist, but the two of them had been towards the bottom lately, 44.44 for Keith in this game. But again, lots of different things matter. Line matchups, quality of opponent, zone starts, all those things make a difference. So uh, nothing to overly panic about, but just kind of an in-depth look at the numbers there. Now the Blackhawks face off against the Boston Bruins tonight. The Bruins are one of, if not the, best team in the National Hockey League in my opinion they've got 76 points they are 32 10 and 12 one point behind the Washington Capitals for the best 
point total in the NHL. They're a really, really solid team. They're 7-2-1 in their last 10. This is a tough team. They're plus 44 in goal differential. So this is not going to be an easy matchup for the Hawks. The good news is that the Hawks tend to play well against better competition. They've got Robin Leonard in net, who is, in my opinion, and I think most people's opinions, the better goalie of the two between him and Corey Crawford. So they got a shot, and if they play like they do against most of the better teams in the league, they're going to do okay. They're going to be able to hang in there and make a game of it. Now, let's take a look at some of the Boston Bruins' scoring leaders here. Now, Patrick Kane, for reference who everyone agrees is having an incredible year, 65 points in 52 games. He's got 25 goals and 40 assists. If Patrick Kane was on the Boston Bruins, he would be their third leading scorer. Yep. David Pasternak has 75 points in 54 games, 38 goals, 37 assists. Like I said, 75 points. Brad Marchand, 69 points. He's got 23 goals and 46 assists. He's a plus 20. Patrice Bergeron, 45 games this year, 43 points. David Krejci, 37 points in 45 games. Tori Krug, 37 points in 46 games. So this is a juggernaut. This is a really, really solid hockey team the Blackhawks play tonight. It's going to be a really good game, I hope. It's going to be a really exciting game, I hope. But just looking at those numbers, when you see... Two guys on the team having better years than Patrick Kane. That is something. Remember, the Hawks beat the Bruins in overtime back in December in Boston. So they can do it. They're capable of it. It's not, you know, it's not an impossible task. But now that they lost that second point last night, they're really going to want to try to get at least one against Boston. I'd be thrilled with that. If the Hawks can get to overtime against the Bruins, that to me is a win. Then you're talking about, you know, four points in those three games. That's, I can live with that. That's pretty solid. But again, all these points matter. Hopefully the Hawks can get two against the Boston Bruins tonight. Take the next three days off after that because it's a busy week next week. Winnipeg Sunday. Edmonton Tuesday, Vancouver Wednesday, Calgary Saturday, Winnipeg Sunday. That is a jam-packed schedule of important Western Conference games against teams they're contending with. Calgary right now has a top wildcard spot. Winnipeg and the Hawks are tied in points. The Hawks have a game in hand. Vancouver is on top of the Pacific Division right now, but they're only eight points ahead of the Hawks at all. The Oilers are second in the Pacific with 62 points, five points ahead of the Blackhawks. These are the teams that will be fluctuating in and out of the wildcard position as the season goes on. These are huge, huge games, especially considering the trade deadline is in less than three weeks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. My name is Jay Zawoski. Make sure you tune in tomorrow as we react to the game against the Boston Bruins. Again, hopefully the Hawks can come away with two points and uh, put on a show for the United Center fans. And I think all those fans want is two points. It could be ugly. It could be a one nothing game. But damn it, take those two points if you can, Hawks. 
Lockdown Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We will talk to you on Thursday morning. Be well.